This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. It's Kate Cancela. That's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Raslan, and the world of football. Uh, literally just for kicks because I managed to break my ankle. Uh, and uh, so I'm playing through the pain, but I think I might be missing the World Cup. And uh, sorry, folks. Uh, but uh, today's pundits are um, going to help me out valiantly. And they are, there's Gogolin. Hello, everyone. Hello. And uh, to glad you. to see you back on the WhatsApp's bench. The physio cleared uh, you, right? Huh? The physio cleared you, right? Uh, yeah, he just he just jabbed in some painkillers and said, "Off you go." It's it's a she nowadays, mate. Uh, she just uh, <laughs> sent me out there, and we have Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. Great to see you. And finally, we have Des Corkill, who is still on cloud nine, celebrating Colombo City's incredible story to the AFC Cup final. And it's a little bit scared about what might happen at the weekend uh, between uh, Arsenal and Liverpool. Well, let, let's start, Des, with the KL City triumph against, you're going to have to help me out here, Sogdiana. Sogdiana, yes. It's um, about four hours out of Tashkent. Uh, the journey was um, through desert. It's in the middle of nowhere, literally. And so KL City had to fly out through Seoul for a one-off game against Sogdiana, a team full of... Uh, uh, older Uzbek former internationals, but the, the likes of uh, Denisov, who people may may have heard of if you follow AAFC, uh, has, has helped Sogdiana become one of the new teams in Uzbekistan. And playing in Uzbekistan, it was expected that Sogdiana would win and probably win comfortably. Um, KL City survived to a nil-nil draw. It wasn't pretty. They certainly had to rely on goalkeeper uh, Kevin Mendoza, who was outstanding all night. Uh, got a goalless draw, as they had against Vitel in an earlier match that they were expected to lose in this competition. And when the penalty shootout, when Giancarlo Galapuco, a, a friend of ours here on BFM, uh, just for kicks, he scored the winning penalty, just, but he scored the winning penalty. <laughs> and an astonishing, astonishing story refuses to end. So it puts uh, Kuala Lumpur City into an AFC Cup final against Al Saeb of Oman in Kuala Lumpur, at their own Cheris Stadium in a one-off match on Saturday, uh, October the 22nd, 7 o'clock kickoff. This, I cannot, I've, I've been telling you throughout this competition, Kuala Lumpur should not be in this situation, but they, they put together a team under Boyan Hodak that is gutsy, that is resilient, that knows precisely their limitations and what they've got to try and achieve. Um, and they've, they've just made it to the AFC Cup final on limited resources. And you just hope that uh, now some businesses come in and, and look at the job that can be done when you put football people in charge of football clubs. And you can take Columbus City, who were a Premier League club two seasons ago, right the way through to the AFC Cup final. It's, a, it's an astonishing story, but brilliant, brilliantly executed by Boyan Hodak. And his team, Galifuco, Mendoza, uh, Akram Mahinan in the heart of midfield, the Lambert twins, etc. Each of them heroes, but there's still a chance to, to take this even to even more glory. I'm I'm blown away by what they've achieved. Yes, I have a question. I have a question. Sorry, Cam. Des, I have a question. How come it's a one-off game, and how come it's played at uh, in KL? 
So it was, it was a predetermined, um, we're still playing catch up after COVID. Um, so a lot of the group games were, were played at, at centralized venues. I suspect next year it'll go back to, um, uh, to, to, to old formats. But the FC Cup has traditionally had a, a one-off cup final at one of the pre-designated venues. Um, it, it's just one of the things for AFC to try to make it more uh, a, a better offering for, for viewers. So Cheras, for once, may well be even half to three quarters full. And that'll make for good television viewing. And for once, it's KL an advantage, which um, hopefully, well, uh, in a strictly neutral way, of course, <laughs> hopefully they can take advantage of against Al Sayab. But um, it's just the the way the tournament works, uh, Gogs, um, because you've... If you play it uh, home and away, it doesn't work at the moment because there's not enough dates in the calendar. And if you play it a neutral venue, it's very difficult for anybody to get there. I was just thinking Boogie Jalil or something. Uh, if they wouldn't fill it, it'll be at their home Cheras. I'm, I'm assuming, actually, you, you might have a point. On the <clears throat> sorry, 22nd of October. 22nd of October, Saturday the 22nd. It's a, it's a big day for Kuala Lumpur, obviously, because they remember, remember the betting scandals of about a decade ago? And what, yeah, they've how achieved, can I <laughs> what they've achieved uh, in the last two, three years is, is just an astonishing example of how football can do great things if you allow football people to make the decisions. Agree, agree. I mean, back in the day, it was just Slango, KL, Qatar and Singapore. They were big four, right? And then the, that scandal happened and the whole league just fell apart. Singapore left and everything. It's the beginning of the end. And we've been playing catch up ever since. Uh, ever I mean, since, that was yes, before yeah. my time here, but we've been playing catch up. And but you 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 look at the celebrations. Uh, the Astro Arena did um, a really good on-site show, and the, the celebrations for KL and people reliving those days, Gogs, that you talked about, saying this, this is wonderful for Malaysia, wonderful for KL, and it's a really good football story that isn't about money. That nobody can point the finger and say, "Oh, they bought that." This is a straight, straightforward football story. It's it's. It's romantic. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And and it's also um, probably the biggest day in the history of Churras. Uh, <laughs> Would it be uh, the equivalent of a League Two team uh, getting into the final of the Champions League? Uh, yeah, it's a bit like Nottingham Forest winning the European Cup, Bob. Twice. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Stop. We're not going to do that. Okay. okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So, uh, <laughs> Bob... Um, but your moment is now. Uh, only on Just for Kicks do we make a segue like this. We're going to go from Sogdiana versus KL City to Liverpool to Rangers nil in the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool doing fine. Problem solved. They're back in the game. Not quite. Not quite. Um, it was a comfortable win. Uh, perhaps a bit too comfortable given the uh, titanic clashes that are coming up. Uh, this weekend and next at the top of the table. Uh, but uh, there were some positives. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold being one of the main ones, of course. But all he did was what we know he can do. And But it was nice to see him do it and not concede a goal or anything at the other end. Uh, Darwin Nunes got 80 minutes, did okay, but perhaps still needs a goal to really boost his confidence. Uh, put too many a bit too close to the keeper. But uh, it, was, it was better. But as I say, they weren't really tested. Uh, with all due respect to Rangers, uh, 
they're they're not having a very good time of it. Um, haven't really since uh, they reached the final of the uh, Europa League and, and lost narrowly to Eintracht Frankfurt. That was a wonderful season. It's beginning to look like a one-off for Rangers. Uh, they were outclassed by Celtic in the recent Old Firm game. And to go to Anfield, OK, there was all this Battle of Britain stuff. Um, there's always an extra edge when uh, an English club plays a Scottish club uh, to be expected. And it'll still be there next week. But the Rangers really didn't belong on that stage, sadly. Uh, it was too easy for Liverpool. But Liverpool tweaked the formation and it was a relative success. They kept a clean sheet. So I think Klopp would be reasonably happy, but not, uh, not ecstatic. And uh, tougher, tougher tasks await. Hmm. Uh, and uh, Des, I'm going to hold you off on, on Liverpool talk for now. We'll come back to you later for that one. But Gogolin, meanwhile, uh, presumed winners of this year's Champions League, Manchester City 5, Copenhagen nil. Uh, Haaland only scored two goals. I knew he couldn't do it in the Champions League, and uh, <laughs> he's rubbish. <laughs> he is in it in the Champions League. When the big light this stage comes up, he freezes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, City, uh, again, with the form Haaland's in, it's, it's they, they look unstoppable, but you know, it's a long way out. I would like them to win the Champions League, yes, you know, the, for Pep and, you know, for, the, for what they've done, you know, but again, I, I really, it's, it's a long season, right? So, you know, Haaland might get injured. I've, I've been telling everybody who, you know, who's, who's talking about Haaland that the only, I mean, even on this show a couple of seasons ago, last season, that City lack an out and out striker. They play the ball to death and they keep letting chasing shadows, but they never finish. And then they allow that free goal in, you know, when they have their defensive laps or something like that and then start chasing. But they'll always score more goals. Their, 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 their game plan was always to score more goals than the other team in the, on the pitch. But now they play the ball around, they wear you down, and then they play that long ball to Haaland and he just finishes. So they have that outlet at any one time. He's strong in the air, he's both feet. That goal, the first goal against Copenhagen, you know, one straight ball from the wing. Uh, Des goes on about it every weekend for Galaxy, you know, just play the ball in from the wing, you know, somebody will finish. True enough. So, yes, Haaland is scoring on all fronts. It's great to see, but uh, Champions League winners, a bit too early. Okay, but he is. Quite good. We're agreed on that then. Haaland has been a success, is it? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think we, we can all hardly say he's been a success. You only be stop scoring right now. Uh, okay, let's have a, quickly, before we take a break, uh, let, I'm going to write, I have to write this down. Guess now how many goals do you think Haaland will score in all competitions? Uh, Des, how many do you think he's going to do? Well, he's, he's on record in uh, for to challenge Dixie Dean. You know, he's ahead of Dixie Dean in that 60 goal season, which is 60. phenomenal. And I, I think he'll get, I, I think in all competitions, he'll hit beyond 40 because he's scoring a lot of his goals are six yards out, middle yeah. of the goal, six yards out, which um, uh, it, it's, it's just incredible. Uh, Bob's been saying it, Gogs has been saying it for uh, many years. They just need to finish. And I poo pooed that idea. I was wrong because every goal, no, uh, every, two out of his three goals are six yards out in the middle of the, the, the six yard box. Phenomenal. Okay. A quick number, Bob, just a number 47. Okay, Goglin? 42 or th uh, 39. I'll go with 39. Ian I'll Rush take 60 out. then. I'll take 60. I'll, I'll go for the, 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 the regular. 
Dixie <laughs> set this record before football was invented, just for those who are listening. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you better write this down, Ken. Oh, that was before 1993. My God. <laughs> um, so anyway, we move on. We're going to take a break. In a moment, though, we're a bit more Champions League and Europa League here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, uh, Cam Raslan, and Bob, Des, and Goglin. And now, Des, I want to ask you, <clears throat> continuing with the Champions League, uh, mystery team for me, a uh, bit of an enigma. enigma. Uh, Frankfurt nil, Tottenham Hotspur nil. Um, yeah, what's going on there? I just think Tottenham aren't taking their chances and, and uh, Son is is not firing. Son's been travelling all over the globe representing Korea and uh, he, he, there's all this hype around him. And a little bit like Liverpool, I think there's a hangover from last year because remember he won the Golden Boot or shared the Golden Boot last year. And at some stage there is, is a coming down. But they were unlucky against Frankfurt who, let's not forget, are the Europa League champions and are a decent side in, in their own right. Tottenham had the chances to win this one, but off the back of their 3-1 defeat against Arsenal, um, this wasn't a particularly good result. I'm, I'm still not worried about um, Tottenham. I, th I think Conte will get it right. I think they've got uh, uh, the the um, attacking resources to actually go and do pretty well in the in the Champions League, but they're just misfiring at the moment. Nothing to get too worried about just yet. It will come good. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, another mystery team for this season right now. Bob, uh, Chelsea 3, Milan nil. Graham Potter in the Champions League. Well, not so much a mystery. He's doing okay, isn't he? Uh, Chelsea, uh, they've almost been written off to hear some critics, uh, but uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think Potter has started well. Uh, I think if he was going to struggle in this job, uh, if the job was going to be too big for him, as some people feared it might. Um, I think he would be struggling more now than he is. Um, you know, different club, different uh, size of club, different type of player, all that sort of thing, Dif totally different dressing room to what he's ever been used to. That could have challenged him. But he seems to be doing okay. And he's, uh, he's turned the team around. He hasn't lost yet, I don't, I don't think. He's, um, I think he's won, he's won three and drawn one of his games. Um, and uh, they're reasonably placed now in Europe. And they're certainly not out of the race for runner-up spot in the Premier League, which is, I think, the, the most interesting race now. Um, so, yes, so far, so good. And Rhys James uh, contributed to the uh, Alexander-Arnold uh, right back for England debate uh, with uh, a, another fine uh, goal, just like uh, Trent did himself. So uh, we're back to square one with that. They're both great attacking players who've got a goal in them, but not quite such good defenders. I, I will say I think Rhys James is a slightly better defender than Trent, but Trent is a better passer of the ball. So I think it's pretty even between those two. It'll be interesting to see who uh, Graham uh, Southgate picks for the England squad. Um, but Chelsea overall, 
Uh, yeah, I think I think he's um, developing a, a decent understanding between the players. Uh, they're they're looking all right. They're looking more of a team now than say the last two or three games under Thomas Tuchel. So uh, I, I wouldn't rule them out of anything. Chelsea are Chelsea. They're awkward opponents, and you get them in the cup, and then you you find out that uh, just what they're what they're like. So Chelsea very much in this season. Uh, Gogolin, um, what what is Potterball? in its Chelsea form. Do you, do you know? I have no idea. I mean, he looks really s- smart now in his uh, suit and turtleneck and everything. That's a big, a big change. I was watching <laughs> the highlights of that game. It, I was, I mean, going back to what Bob said, the, with the personnel that Chelsea have, it's going to be very hard for Potter to not succeed there. You know, he, he's, a, he's a good coach. He, he knows his uh, tactics. He, he, he's flexible in that way. I think the only thing is, does he know his first 11 yet? You know, I think this that, that problem is what uh, Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest is having. I think we'll get to that soon. But, you know, that might be the only thing that is actually keeping Potter from laying down his uh, marker there. Because if he can get that right, he will be there for a long time and he can build on that. And I think the American owners will back him. Because these are, you have to remember, these are not his players he bought. So I, you know, so that's the only re- that's the only uh, span in the works for me right now. Because you know, with the players you have, it's very hard for you not to succeed at Chelsea, especially. So it just he needs to fine tune it and find his first eleven. Uh, well, meanwhile, in the rest of the Champions League, uh, uh, Real Madrid they won, and well, that's all you need to know. Uh, I don't know, Des, did anything else happen that caught your eye in the Champions League? Uh, Barcelona lost. Against Inter, a resurgent Inter. Uh, yeah, the VAR. Crap VAR. Absolutely massacred Barcelona. Unbelievable. Two. Well, one decision that disallowed a, a, a goal that no one player or fan or nobody in the stadium had even a slightest inkling why uh, the the equaliser for for uh, Barcelona should have been disallowed. Pedri's Suddenly, goal. Some little idiot goes into the into the air. Oh, we've got to go and have a little look. And, and oh, it's a ridiculously stupid, monumentally awful decision. And then an identical handball, identical handball is not reviewed by VAR in the last minute that would have given Barcelona a penalty. Just an absolute shocking Dreadful example of why VAR is a monumentally awful introduction into football. It's meant to be 100%. It's meant to make it better. Invariably, it doesn't. Um, Give me referees' mistakes a million times out of a million over the cretinous waste of space that is video-assisted replays. Absolutely dreadful. Barcelona. And Xavi gets a yellow card for complaining about the stupidity. I'm... um, I'm sick and tired of it. It's uh, I'll, I've lost this argument years ago, but I've been I'll keep on beating this drum. Progress, um, uh, in, new in, in, in inventions are not necessarily progress. This takes the authority out the referee. The referee looks completely stupid because he's made um, a perfectly good uh, decision to let a goal stand and a ridiculous VAR intervention to stop Barcelona getting points. Imagine if this was a cup final. Imagine this is. It's just a ridiculous intervention and, and uh, takes away all authority of the referee. Get rid of the mm. crap. It's garbage. Well, Des, most managers in the Premier League are said to want it axed. That's according to a straw poll. Yeah. Most. Yeah. Because you don't know yes. where you stand. You don't know where no, you stand. Absolutely not. No. Yeah, but the managers are going to say that. They're going to say that. I mean, they take every opportunity to say something that's going to 
going to no, this uh, is not belittle the referees. In the heat of the moment, this is this is uh, asking them when they've calmed down and what do you think of VAR after after two or three seasons in the cold light of day, and they and they want it out, but it isn't going to happen. Yeah, well, you know, when we were trying to find a, a new name for this show, I wanted to call it VAR, <laughs> um, but uh, I got overruled. Um, and and I'm so I'm, I'm as upset as Des Corkill. Wouldn't have had many that. listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, let's move on then. Uh, Goglan, I want to uh, move us to the Europa League and Arsenal versus Bodo Glimt, uh, who did pretty well last season, but Arsenal won quite convincingly. Um, yeah, it was convincingly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, I mean, convincing enough for them not to, you know, care. I don't, did they get any injuries from that game? No, I don't think so, right? So, they had yeah. a second string team as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're setting themselves up for the weekend and uh, um, it's all going to plan so far with Arteta. He, he's lost to the big sides, but he, they're purring nicely. What they did uh, last weekend against Spurs was a total demolition of, uh, first of all, uh, nobody understood Conte's tactics or neither did I actually understand Conte's tactics and going to Arsenal, but... Ateta, you know, until the last minute, he was still there, you know, pushing his team until he knew that they, finally they had won, you know. So this Arsenal side is his now. And um, I think they are destined for great stuff. But he needs to keep this team together and they need to not be Spursy about it. Arsenal-y? spurs I'm not quite sure. North london and me. Bob, meanwhile, the soap opera that is Manchester United continues. Nicosia versus Manchester United. Manchester United managed to squeak through. Uh, uh, what's going on there? Well, uh, squeak, yes. Um, Nicosia of Cyprus, not one of the big boys, would have been uh, quite a feather in their caps even to have drawn this game. Um, I think it, uh, it shows United are, are, are far from the, um, the complete package. I mean... Just to see how fickle people are, you know, one minute, uh, they're absolute rubbish. The season started badly, of course, but, uh, you know, everybody was writing them off, writing Ten Hag off as well. Then suddenly they turn it round and then they get a defeat or two and now they're rubbish again. They're not. They're, they're contenders for this, uh, for this competition. They've won it before under uh, Jose Mourinho as he never ceases to remind us. And, uh, they, I mean, they're the sort of club that could win this again because you can't see them being involved in the, uh, either the title race or even the runner-up race. They will be involved in the top four, and that means everything to them, but I don't think they're quite good enough. I think they're a top six club, but very much fifth or sixth. So I think this... Europa League is actually something that they should aim for because, as I say, they've won it before. And it, it would be something for Ten Hag to say, it would be a trophy. And uh, they, can, they can experiment a little bit with uh, youngsters, as they have done, and even give Ronaldo a run out, as they have done. So, uh, yes, they're taking it seriously and uh, they'll be glad to have come away unscathed. I don't think there are any serious injuries. But uh, tougher tougher tests lie ahead. So I think it's um, they're going to have a so-so season, basically. I think United 
that I think that's what their fans have really got to look look forward to. Uh, another one, yes. And, and that's why they became fans of Manchester United in the first place, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we're going to be so-so. <laughs> um, uh, without wishing to disrespect Cristiano Ronaldo, we're going to move on from Manchester United. And uh, Des, I want to ask you about Anderlecht versus West Ham, which would have been a mouth-watering prospect once upon a time. Once upon a time, it was a cup final. Um, back in the, the 70s, in the old Cup Winners' Cup, West Ham had a, a team that went all the way through to the final and lost a, a, one of the best European finals you, I can remember in 1976. Uh, and elected one of the, 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 the great old names of, of Europe. Never quite made it to the very, very top table, but they keep producing players who get snapped up uh, by other teams. So West Ham going there. I think West Ham are on a revival. They were, after the successes of last year, they were on a bit of a, a downward cycle and were down at the bottom of the table, but they've had a, a couple of decent wins. And then to go uh, to, to Brussels and, and take a victory uh, by a goal to nil is very, very good. Um, it's a 4-3-3 formation. Uh, Michel Antonio has got some support now. I think Skamaka scored the winner. Uh, West Ham are a decent side and this is a great little uh, great, great win because that Anderlecht Stadium, I don't know whether you've seen it on the telly, I've been there once. It's so atmospheric. It, it's not quite a Goodison Park, which we're going to lose soon, but it's so atmospheric when it's full and when the, when the flares are going and, and it's, uh, and it's uh, intimidating. So this is a, a good win for, for West Ham. Uh, and they're on a recovery. They'll, they'll, um, they'll get up into the top half of the table. I have no doubts about that whatsoever, helped by um, confidence um, of, of a victory such as this one at Anderlecht. Is uh, Vincent Company the manager of Anderlecht, or did I Oh, dream? he's at Burnley now. Is it Burnley? Oh my yes, God. he's doing well in the championship. He was at Anderlecht. Yeah, yeah, the championship. I think I've heard of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, Bob, we'll, we'll talk more about the championship with you later on. So, uh, uh, why are you asking me to talk about the championship? No, no reason, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we take a break, and in a moment uh, we return. We're going to be previewing the Premier League matches coming up here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Ruslan, uh, Des Corkill, Bob Holmes and Gogolin. And uh, Gogolin, I want to go straight to you with, um, well, I, I, I was asking um, uh, Des earlier about Tottenham and he thinks Tottenham will be, well, I, I, I'm not really sure how he bases this, but they'll, they'll come true. Brighton versus Tottenham. A kind of new and exciting version of Brighton versus the Italian Conte-style Tottenham. Uh, I don't know. Could this be an interesting match or could this be really boring? No, no, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. I mean, this is a array of ta attacking talent there. And Brighton are playing some really good football. We saw last weekend, you know, they gave the mighty Liverpool the scare, the scare that they needed. Right? So, And Conte, after that chasing defeat at, uh, at Arsenal... And really needs to rejig his plan and you know come up with a more attacking side and you and like what um Des was pointing out Son has you know has been traveling everywhere playing football so he does look a bit jaded but he will still come up and get you those goals and the goals he scores are you know some of them are out of the box they're not six yard goals you know so you know that there's a there's a and you've got Harry Kane so it will be a really good spectacle uh uh Bob do you agree it's gonna be a spectacle I, I mean I'm finding this this Tottenham's becoming a bit boring 
<laughs> Tottenham boring. Uh, uh, used right. to be Arsenal that were boring, wasn't it? Boring, <laughs> boring Arsenal. Um, I know, Tottenham are never boring. I, I mean, they were Spursy. I mean, even that's not boring, is it? Not now true. they're not Spursy. They're better. But they're not quite there. I think we've discussed this before. The midfield doesn't seem to exist. Uh, under Conte, they seem to bypass midfield. And But one of their main uh, attacking threats, Son, who's you, who you've mentioned, uh, isn't, isn't quite functioning this season, is he? He got a hat-trick in about 10 minutes. But apart from that, he's done virtually nothing. So that's uh, something that Conte has got to figure out. You've got two Italian managers here opposing each other, which back in the day would have probably meant it was going to be a boring nil-nil draw. But uh, not under these guys. Uh, De Zerbi um, set up Brighton in a, in a way that uh, surprised Jurgen Klopp. He admitted that last week. And uh, they, they got a very much uh, deserved point at Anfield. And what he's done to Leandro Trossard, well, Trossard had never scored more than eight goals in a season. Mm. Not last year. Now he's got five already, and he got three at Anfield. So uh, he sprinkles some magic on, on those boots of his. Uh, he, he, looks, he looks a top-class international player, but he's had trouble getting into the Belgian national side because there's... They're so blessed with talent. He's played a few games for them, but he's not a regular. But he does look a top player. And it'll be interesting to see how he follows that up, uh, that purple patch uh, he's, he's had so far. So this, this is an intriguing tussle. I mean, this is a top four game between Brighton and Spurs. It doesn't sound <laughs> right, does it? Yeah, yeah I, I'd there. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and Brighton, maybe, I don't know, could they could they stay up there? Is this I would, like, almost like a Leicester question? Uh, I don't think so. I think they, um, they, they have lost uh, some good players this season. They got good money for them, but money doesn't uh, take the field. They, they uh, how, how much do we know about the Roberto's uh, derby? Is it, is it up here? Managed uh, Sassuolo in uh, Italy and uh, Shakhtar, wasn't it? it yeah. Shakhtar just before. Yeah, and 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 people say good things about, especially the Shakhtar team, um, who managed to win despite not playing for, like you know, because of the not war. Not playing home games. Yeah. Uh, okay, Des, here's your chance. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Um, you know. At the beginning, before the season began, we would have looked at this and gone, okay, this is Liverpool's. But now, we're not so sure. Absolutely. Um, I think the 2-0 uh, the, the Liverpool victory over Rangers was important, but they're going into an Emirates stadium, which for once is absolutely pumped up. The atmosphere in, uh, at Arsenal now is, is really something else. And this is going to be an intimidating battle for Liverpool, which... Good players respond to in them in intimidating sequent um, places, and be fascinated to see if Jurgen Klopp can carries on that four-two-three-one that he tried against Rangers because that uh, seems to be the formation that fits Darwin Nunes. And Nunes is he will come good. 
He got into enough good positions. He's been denied by some sensational goalkeeping, uh, not only by McGregor, but if you remember in the derby against uh, Everton, uh, Jordan Pickford made a, a truly astonishing save to deflect one effort onto the crossbar. So he's going, he's going through one of these phases where um, he's introducing himself into the team, but he will become a top-class striker. You can see it with his movement. Uh, but whether Liverpool rejigged to a 4-2-3-1 to accommodate him is an interesting one. And who plays that number 10? Is it Jota? Is it Thiago? Or uh, does, does Bobby Firmino fit in there? But Arsenal, they know their team. There is, therein lies the difference. And uh, Mikel Atatu has got them playing uh, with, with real panache. They had a little bit of fortune with the red card and the Loris mistake uh, when it was one all. Uh, that, that helped change the game quite dramatically, even though Arsenal played quite quite well last week. But they're playing with confidence. They know what they're trying to achieve. They've got a, a spine in Saliba and Gabriel at the back. This is a huge test for Liverpool. I believe they're good enough to, to come through it and to re-kickstart their season ahead of the second Rangers game and then the big one against Manchester City. But these are, are, are three massive, massive matches for Liverpool's season. And... Um, uh, what a stage to, to have to show it on against a reinvigorated Arsenal. Really looking forward to this. I can see Liverpool having a go and uh, it being a, a, a five or six or seven goal thriller. <laughs> uh, but, but Des, if this season is now officially a transitional season for, uh, for Liverpool, uh, having lost Sadio Mane and not really being able to replace and, and not finding a, a, a plan B... How long does it take to transition to the next thing? It's like that's a that's a two or three season mission. Well, you're not allowed that at the top flight. You've got no. to maintain that. You've got to maintain a top four place, which which isn't the target. The target is always to try and compete. But you look at the likes of Harvey Elliott. He's he's, he's barely out of his. He's a, still a teenager. And Cavallo's a teenager coming in. And then you're looking at Nunes coming in, who's who's young again. So there is a transition of sorts going on. You're just not allowed to miss the Champions League. That's that's the key. And that's why this game and the game against Manchester City are, are so important. Um, uh, Manchester City look to be so good, uh, but so do Arsenal at this stage. Remember, Arsenal are actually top of the table with only the one defeat so far at Manchester United. So they've played both Tottenham and Manchester United and they're still top of the table. Um, acid test for, for Arsenal as well. Uh, can they carry on doing it against the big boys? You think Jürgen Klopp is still going to be there and then two seasons down? Because, like you said, it's a transition. Well, yes, of course. Of course. He, yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he wants to build another team. He, okay. I think Because he, he's, he's built two teams already. He's um, if, if you take away the... People in years to come will look back on this era and go, wow, thank heavens Liverpool were there. Otherwise, the Premier League would have become just a one-horse race with all the money Manchester City. How wonderfully they've spent it, how beautifully they pay, but they're a billion-dollar club. Yeah, I agree, I agree. The petrodollars have you know, financed it. You, you have that money, and when a team spends it and wisely with a good manager, this is the uh, results that you get. Yeah. Money and will Klopp, buy you Klopp success. trying to build a third team. Um, and Because you've got to. Either the coach lasts four years or the team lasts four years. It's a typical yeah, managerial... Yeah, yeah, yeah it, is, it is. It's an evolution that everybody... And Pep does that before it happens. That's the yes. key. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think we're tiptoeing around this one, Bob, that, uh, you know, when, when um, Marcelo Bielsa left uh, Leeds, Arvin Sidhu was, was, was absolutely heartbroken. And I just don't want to know what's going to happen to Des if, <laughs> if, if Klopp goes in similar he manner. He won't go. He signed for yeah, he signed. He won't go. He won't go. He won't go. Daddy won't go. 
But when he does, we'll celebrate everything he did for both the club and the city. Okay, Bob, uh, I want to. I want you to come in on the um, the same match, Arsenal uh, Liverpool. I mean, you know Liverpool, but you're a little bit more uh, objective, perhaps. How do you think this one's going to go? Well, uh, Arsenal are the form team, aren't they? Um, but Liverpool have had the sort of hex over Arsenal uh, in recent years. Arsenal haven't even scored in the last six games between the two clubs. Ooh. How about that for a stat? Mm. Uh, so that's, that gives you an idea of Liverpool's superiority. But Arsenal have improved no end this season. And they probably would go into this as slight favourites with the home advantage as well. But Liverpool are still, even though they may be in transition, Liverpool have got a core of great players. And I still have faith in them being able to lift themselves for the big games. I think they, they can be a bit undone even by the likes of Brighton and Fulham, like we've seen this season, a little bit vulnerable at the back. But I still think they have that spirit. And I think if they just have, if they can get an early goal, they concede in, I think, almost every game they've played this season. They go behind one game, except the Rangers game, obviously. They've conceded first. And that, I mean... If you're talking about a great team, that shouldn't be a big problem. But it, when you're a little bit vulnerable, a little bit lacking in confidence and going through a transitional phase, it does give you a bit of a setback. And Brighton, for example, I mean, they, they were 2 nil down after 20 minutes. So they must have said to themselves, well, here we go again. Another, another comeback is required. Well, they managed it, but... Uh, Brighton scored uh, the equaliser at the end. So I still have faith that this could be a, a great game and this will be a real test. We'll see what kind of Liverpool we're going to have this season, I think, from this game. If they can lift themselves, then they could, they could win the game. They could even win the game. And then they go into the game against City, which is at Anfield, with a win over Arsenal. They're back in it, aren't they? I mean, imagine the electrifying effect that would have. And Klopp will be well aware of that. If, if he can conjure a win from this game, it's all, all bets are, uh, are on again. But Arsenal, uh, the way they pass the ball around, the way, uh, I mean, from Saliba, well, from Ramsdale. I mean, they are a mini city or a city light. I mean, Arteta is a pep disciple. They pass the ball all over the field beautifully. Ramsdale is good with his feet. Saliba, what a, what a find. I mean, they, they loaned him out to France three times before they discovered how good he, he is, especially with the ball at his feet. So, and the midfield, and then Jesus, I mean, not very big, but he's a, he's a real striker, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's really enjoying this role. So Arsenal are a formidable side. And I think definite top four material this season. And it, I think it's a battle between, I would, I would say top four. I'll say now. I think it's City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. Oh. Well, OK. Well, uh, according to what you guys are saying, it's definitely going to be a nil-nil, um, which really is the football purists' perfect scoreline. Um, uh, uh, 
Goglin, I want to set you a challenge. Um, Man City versus Southampton. Uh, I'd like you to talk about this without mentioning uh, Harlan's name. <laughs> That's going to be my challenge. Guardiola <laughs> probably, uh, probably bench him just for that, you know. But yeah, is there anything uh, to say without men? <laughs> no, I mean, come on. This city team is, you know, built in a different way. It's purring at, uh, it's purring as it goes along. But again, you know, Villa kept them at a one-one, so it's good. It's it's a. Uh, they need to raise their game for the, when they go to Southampton, especially coming after a Champions League night, you know. So these are the variables that come into play for a team like uh, uh, City. But again, the depth they have and the numbers they have on the bench, he can play his third squad and, you know, it'll be a... It'll be a but South, uh, let's not take anything away from Southampton. They will be building up a good fight. So it, it, I, again, which City shows up is the question. But I think they know now that they are in it and... Uh, the one that I cannot mention the name of is Purring. So he drives the team. I, I got to say, actually, I mean, normally each season, season in, season out, it's like, yeah, you know, Man City, they're great. They're beautiful football. But I'm a bit kind of like, eh, a bit bored. No, 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 but just this to, season, I'm really yeah, excited by Man to, City. They're just, the team I want to watch. But Cap, just on that point, I was having a coffee with Jeff, my friend Jeff earlier on. And we were talking about that. And we were saying that when, te- when we score goals, the whole team becomes better all of a sudden. The defense starts playing better. Death starts keeping great saves out, even saves penalties. You know, so it's it it it, it causes true when you see the goals coming in because you know that you're playing better and you cannot let them down, and you know they will score goals for you. But when you start playing all that beautiful football and there's no goals coming, that's when the lapses of concentration happen, and that's when they give away like silly goals. City goals when they let in goals are always silly goals, lapses of concentration. Yeah, you got you can't expect Man City to rise to the level of. Um... You, TL Galaxy. You, you and, you and Dez. You know, it's, we, it's we, asking, yeah. asking way too much. That's unfair. Um, okay, we're going to move on. Coming, uh, Cam. Oh, I very read, quickly, though. Very uh, time. quickly, okay. I read today that this unmentionable Norwegian striker yeah. is on £865,000 a week. It's an exclusive in a UK newspaper. And it seems to have uh, some credibility behind it, if you read it. 865. Half of it are uh, bonuses. They structured the deal. You know, he was on a a get-out clause. uh, He only costs about 50-odd million pounds, which is a bargain. But the the real cost is is in his wages. And it's all to do with how many he scores and, and City's progress, you know, top of the league. Etc. Yeah, and he cuts. Uh, unfortunately, with the way the way that Sterling is going, that should be able to get him uh, a Ford Fiesta at the end of the month. I think. So you know, good for him. Anyway, we move on, and we're going to be looking at the rest of the matches in the the upcoming uh, weekend here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back with part four with Bob, Dez, and Goglin. And now Dez, Everton versus Manchester United. I mean, two kind of, well, they were struggling. They were both struggling at the beginning of the season, but they seem to be turning things around a bit. Um, who's going to turn it around better? Well, I've been telling you, I've been talking up Everton uh, under Frank Lampard and the belief in the fans and the and the emerging new uh, stadium, which is uh, growing 
uh, by the day and is looking fabulous if you go and look on Twitter. And there's new money coming into the club. There's a real buoyancy about Everton Football Club. Um, they're level on points with Liverpool as well, which uh, they find quite amusing. Um, uh, being from Merseyside, I'm, I'm, I'm red first, but if, if, if red can't win, I'm, I'm old school enough to want the Blues to win. But the buoyancy around Everton is superb. Uh, the, um, the support when they won 2-1 at Southampton last week, um, the fans were staying on. And, and Everton fans are really behind what is happening at Goodison Park and what Frank Lampard is doing. And he's put together a strong team without Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin has got a chance of uh, uh, making a comeback. And he's a, a fine striker. And if they can start scoring a few more goals... Connor Cody has already made a, a big dif- difference defensively. Um, they're, they're, even without Jordan Pickford, in, in many ways, that's better for them because um, he, he's, he's not the most secure coming off his line. He, he makes the flashy saves, Jordan Pickford, but isn't the most secure. Uh, so I just think Everton are a rock-solid football team. This is a huge test for Man United. Um, they're doing what Man United uh, uh, did a couple of weeks ago. We're now beginning to look at United as saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're a challenge. I think very soon we'll start to be looking at Everton and go, yeah, potential top 10 club, solid team, uh, don't give many goals away. And when they start scoring goals, then um, we really will be, begin to look at them. Top 10 this year, possibly top six or seven next year. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a turnaround. They, he's built He's built well. He's done, he's done an Arteta in many ways. He's got the players that he wants. Um, when a coach comes in, you've got to allow them to get to, to, co- to coach. And to be fair to, to the, the Everton board, Mashiri got an awful lot of stick. Frank Lampard is being allowed to coach. Uh, Rafa Benitez was hamstrung by money. Uh, a little bit of money has been released for uh, Frank, Frank Lampard. And um, it, this is now his team. And they're a strong, difficult to beat side. Mm, okay. Frank Lampard. The, you know, the, that Frank Lampard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Everton okay. fans love him. Everton fans are really into him. They, they do, but what do fans know? Um, <laughs> and speaking of which, the big match... Uh, which involves two uh, fans here, Nottingham Forest versus Goglan's Aston Villa. Um, it's uh, uh, Bob. Say something really um, optimistic about Nottingham Forest, without <laughs> mentioning the two times that you won the European Cup. <laughs> Go. Well, it's quite easy at the moment. Uh, we're we are favourites to uh, for the drop. Uh, we started reasonably well. That's the strange thing about this. Uh, we lost to Newcastle. There was a terrible performance there, the very first game. But after that, uh, Forrest beat West Ham, uh, drew with Everton at Everton, and gave Spurs a, a reasonable game at home, although they lost 2-0. And at that point, there was a lot of optimism and talk of Forrest finishing halfway up the league and all that. And it suddenly turned around. They were 2-0 up against Bournemouth. And it looked like a comfortable win, solidify their position well above the relegation zone. Unfortunately for Forrest, Bournemouth whacked in three goals in the second half. And it's been downhill ever since. Uh, similar home defeat to Fulham, a hammering by City and a hammering by Leicester. So Forrest now sit at the, at the bottom. And this game against Villa, uh, and I'm sure 
uh, Goggs won't object to me saying that Villa are also struggling a bit, not as badly as Forrest, of course, but uh, this does present Forrest with an opportunity not only to get the three points, but to save the manager. Because the, all the indications are that Forrest, incredibly, are going to sack Steve Cooper. Now, this, forget Einstein's definition of insanity. If Forrest sacks Steve Cooper, that'll be the new definition of insanity. Because this is a guy with an absolutely wonderful touch. And it's now becoming clear that he didn't want all these players that have been signed. They're the owner, owner's choice. So the owner wanted more players. And he's, he owns Olympiacos as well. And he's taken three or four of these 22 signings for Olympiacos on loan. So, you know, that's an idea of uh, the interference from up top. And this has had a lot to do with Cooper not being able to get these players to gel because there are too many of them. And uh, he's got a mammoth task now. And having lost five games in a row, his head is on the block. But it would be a disaster. Who, who could do a better job than Steve Cooper or Forrest? That's what we ask. And there's even suggestions that someone prints Steve Cooper masks and puts them on every seat in the ground. Because the fans are unanimously behind the manager. He's lost five games in a row. And fans are 100% behind the manager. Have you ever heard of such a thing? But he's made that big an impression. They love him. And it well, yeah, be- well, Brian Clough with Derby, I think, uh, comes to mind. Um, the, uh, uh, so Steve Bruce is going to be the next manager. Oh, my God. Looks uh, like Sam, Allard- is Sam Allardyce, maybe. Yeah, Pochettino's <laughs> available, isn't he? He is. Yeah. To show? <laughs> oh, there's some, there's some <laughs> good cool. names to choose from. <laughs> you can ask Stephen Gerrard if you want. Uh, well, speaking of Stephen Gerrard, Aston Villa, uh, I mean, Bob there's talking about this is a possibility for Nottingham Forest to get some points. As a Villa fan, I completely agree with him because, you know, we when we were playing Forest, we've been lost five on the trot and are sitting bottom of the Premiership. As Bob pointed, rightly pointed out, we are not pulling up great stakes at right now playing great football. Though I was a bit more pleasant to see, happy to see what we pulled up at least the other day. You know, we had a couple of shots on goal, saved post and everything. But with the team we have, we should be doing much better, much, much better. So, I, you know, I've I, again, you know, I've I've set my stall out on Steven Gerrard here a couple of times already. You all know all what I think of him. I think he's tactically naive still and, you know, we deserve a better manager for a club like Villa. So yes, this this if I get a draw, I, I'm happy. That, that says a lot. You can't drag Saint Stevie. Not allowed. <laughs> oh God! I Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <Forgot>. <laughs> uh, How long do we have on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, uh, anyway, there are there are plenty of other fixtures. Um, uh, you know, uh, Bournemouth, Leicester, uh, Newcastle, Brentford are, are varying degrees of interest. But we, I, I want to move on, unfortunately, to a very, very tragic, sad story to end uh, this uh, Friday's episode, which is um, Des, the uh, recent stadium disaster in Indonesia, where I think the total now is 125 deaths. And Des, what what do we know so far now? 
Well, it's it's awful. Uh, it was Arema were playing um, Surabaya in an Indonesian league match, which is a local derby that um, Surabaya fans weren't allowed to buy tickets for because it's it's been quite um, quite tempestuous in the past. And what happened was that uh, Surabaya scored a, a late winner to make it three two, and that prompted a um, a pitch invasion of. Um, some say up to two to 3,000 fans uh, coming on. Surabaya players got off. Arima fans uh, had, had gone into the centre circle to apologise, but then there was a pitch invasion, kind of in protest. There wasn't any fighting, but the, the police then came on and forced with various methods, mainly the truncheons and a couple of um, uh, hacks, they forced the, the, the fans back over the, over the fences. And then they started to introduce tear gas. So tear gas went into the crowds, mainly into the south end of the stadium. And uh, people, I don't know whether anyone in, uh, listening has had tear gas, but it, it affects the eyes. All you want to do is get out of wherever you are and you try to get out of out of the stadium. The stadium doors were, um, there, there is talk that a couple were still locked because uh, there, is, there is meant to be a procedure in place where 10 minutes before time, the stadium doors are open to allow people to get out early. But some stadium doors were locked and those that weren't locked were, were very, very narrow, only allowing two or three people out at a time. And what happened as more tear gas came in, as more people stampeded towards the, towards the exits, uh, people were trampled to death, people suffocated to death. Um, there were 125 uh, casualties at the end, though there was no fighting between any fans, this wasn't a, a fighting situation. This was a health and safety situation, which in many ways was reminiscent of what happened at Hillsborough in 1989, where uh, people just could not get out of a, of a hugely, hugely dangerous situation. Uh, investigations are going on. Indonesian football, quite rightly, has been suspended. Uh, an independent inquiry is is scheduled to take place, and mourning is taking place so all over Indonesia. Fans are, are looking at this and saying that this is something that um, it was an accident waiting to happen uh, because of the way that uh, fans are treated. They, 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 it's it again. I'll, I'll go back to the eighties when I used to follow Liverpool around, and you used to be herded into pens like cattle. You were treated inhumanly. Uh, some people um, reacted against that. In Indonesia, in many ways, it, it, it's, it's still been the same. So the lessons to learn are safety. You've got to make these stadiums as, as, as safe as you possibly can because the, 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 the catastrophe that's happened at Arima is, is just awful. It's 125 people went to a game of football and didn't go home afterwards. Uh, it's just such a tragedy. And um, it, I guess, it, you know, it's like, it's one of the, when you get that many people together in one space, it's it's always a possibility, I suppose. But uh, we, we've got to close up. But but have you three ever been, found yourself in a in a in a, a football related or sports related situation and sort of like being a bit frightened? Oh, in Shalom Stadium back in the day, you know, when the flares come out again when you're playing the, I think it was the Tiger no Tiger Cup. Was it called the Tiger Cup? Yes, yeah, that used to be. Yeah. Tiger, yeah, yeah. So you know, back that was the closest you get to you know the flares and everything. But yeah, thankfully no. But your Des is right. I totally believe blame the tear gas being dispersed mm. as the reason for the stampede. And to see children, you know, like that is is, you know, the police yeah. need to, the police need to answer for a lot of things. Yeah. Well, uh, a tragedy. We have to remember it's it's just a game, and uh, it is not more important than life itself, despite the quote. 
Um, what's yeah? So anyway, well, I want to thank you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. And to Des Corkill. Of course, we remember these these Arima fans, and let's hope that football can help us uh, celebrate uh, this this weekend. Yeah, and uh, thank you to Gogolin. Thank you for having me, and have a good weekend, everyone. Yeah. So uh, thank you for myself, also uh, Cam Raslan, and see you on Monday for another exciting episode of Just for Kicks here on BFM eighty nine point nine. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.